0: Welcome to the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Get in on the conversation. Call 1-877-669-1292.
1: And I'm Howie Silbiger, and this is the Howie Silbiger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. So glad that you could join me. We are live. You could feel free to call in. number to call one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. That's one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two to get in on the conversation. Here on the Howie Silberger show, I know it says pre-recorded in the corner of the uh, of the screen on social media. I have no idea why it's doing that, but we are we are working to fix that uh, right now. so as as I speak. That is uh, that is being fixed, but uh, it says pre-recorded for some reason, and it's not pre-recorded because we're live, and it's true we are live. So you can call in one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. It's been it's been quite a um, it's been quite a week as I've been trying to get the show on uh, live through the new studio that we have. It has been uh, it has been <laughs> quite an effort. Uh, I'm telling you. Um, We've been on the air so long, and this is the truth, we've been on the air so long that um, the technology that we use for our phone system, uh, to get the phone system on the air with us, the technology that we use is actually outdated and, um, and, uh, and, and discontinued. And so when we, when, we, when we set up the new studio and we wanted to, um, to, to move the phone system into the new studio, The problem was that uh, the new computer in the new studio couldn't take the phone system. Uh, We didn't have a license for the software, for the phone system software. And by not having a license for the phone system software, it basically meant that the phone system wouldn't work on those computers. And so here we are, uh, the phone system not working on those computers, and uh, – And us not being able to broadcast, at least live from that studio, uh, simply because we couldn't take calls. And I wouldn't want to do a show, a live show, without taking your phone calls. And so that was the issue, and that was the issue that we had, um, uh, you know, for the last couple of weeks. We've uh, resolved the issue, pretty much resolved the issue. It just took a little bit of money, some uh, some subscriptions to a new uh, a new phone service and a new software, buying a new license and uh, and spending a little bit of money. But we've we've managed to uh, to to resolve that problem. And so here we are. We are live. We are live, and uh, we should be live most of the week. Uh, I hope that uh, everything considered, all things considered, if the technology allows me, I will be on all week. Uh, I can't guarantee it. Of course, there are no promises. But if the technology allows me, I will be on all week. And you, of course, will be able to call in at one 669 1292 Tomorrow night, I fully intend at midnight to do a uh, Political Hitman, and uh, that, that will air on Israel News Talk Radio. I fully intend to do that tomorrow night, so I hope you join me for that. And, uh, and we'll see where we go, right? That's, that's the way it works. All right. So um, uh, a couple of interesting things uh – you know, I haven't been on for a few days and things happen and as, as the week progresses, I, I start to uh, I start to antsy. I start to get antsy. I start to I start to get excited about getting onto the show to talk about some of the stuff that really bothered me over the course of the week, some of the stuff that I want to share with you, some of the opinions I want to express to you, and uh, and and I want to hear some of your feedback, of course. So always feel free to call in. 1-877-669-1292 is the number to call. It's 1-877-669-1292. And uh, if you're watching on uh, on Facebook or any of the social media s- spaces that uh, that air the show, you can feel free to uh, type into the chat box uh, on uh, on whatever you're watching into the uh, into the message box and uh, it will pop up theoretically speaking, if technology works, it should pop up on my screen right now. And uh, I say good evening to the person who posted up good evening. Thank you so much for doing that. Uh, all right, so um, we we talk a lot on this show about uh, about assimilation, about anti-Jewish stuff, and uh, and, and the assimilation factor. And uh, over Christmas, over over the Christmas holiday, we did a show just uh, just about Christmas time, where where I said I have no issue uh, wishing people a Merry Christmas, and if they wish me a Merry Christmas, I will wish them right back a Merry Christmas. Because why insult people if they didn't know that I that I celebrate Hanukkah and they didn't wish me a Happy Hanukkah? It's not that important uh, to me to be offended by somebody who is wishing me a good cheer, good wishing me good, good, good tidings. Why would I be offended by that? Why would anybody be offended by that? You actually have to be quite psychotic to be offended by somebody wishing you good cheer. So I, uh, I'm not a psychotic person, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not insane. And so, if somebody comes up to me and says to me, "Howie, Merry Christmas," I will answer them, "Merry Christmas." I won't correct them and tell them I don't celebrate Christmas. I won't look confused at them and say, "How, how, why, why are you saying this to me?" I won't look at them in anger and say, "I'm angry at you for saying this. <laughs> That's ridiculous." Uh, I would, I would just wish them a Merry Christmas and say, "Thank you so much for the good tidings." Uh, I, I don't understand. I don't understand people who who get upset by this. And if you're one of those people who get upset by it, f- feel free to call in. I, I want to hear from you. I want to talk to you. Uh, I want to understand why you-, you get upset by this. Now, if they said, Merry Christmas, Jew boy, that would be a different story. Then I would be uh, a little perturbed. If they said, Merry, Jewish, you- you- Merry-, Merry Christmas, you damn Jew, uh, I-, I guess I would be a little upset about that. But, but if-, if it's all in good faith and good tidings and, and good humor and-, and all friendly, why would I be upset with someone trying to be friendly with me? Now, now, please explain it to me. If if you get upset by somebody wishing you a Merry Christmas, or a Happy New Year, explain it to me. Now, I don't celebrate Christmas, and I, I don't really care much for 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 the Christmas holiday. Uh, it's not my holiday, but I, I I have no problem with other people celebrating it. I have no problem with non-Jews celebrating it. It's not a Jewish holiday, and as a Jew, I don't celebrate it, nor do I celebrate New Year's. New Year's is not my New Year's. It's the Gregorian calendar New Year's, uh, created by Pope Gregory. It's an arbitrary day that he chose to restart the year, and, uh, and that's fine. People who want to celebrate that, (laughs) go ahead, uh, but it's not my New Year. But if you wish me a happy New Year, I'm not going to get insulted. If I go into a store, I was in a store today, and uh, the cashier obviously wasn't Jewish. It was obviously a non-Jewish cashier. And I was in the store today, and when I finished my transaction, I wished a non-Jewish cashier a Happy New Year because it's a polite thing to do. Uh, it's a polite to wish people you know, good tidings on their holidays. Why not? I, I don't see the problem with that. Now, I know, you know it, it might rub some people the wrong way, and that's, that's possible. But I don't understand why it would rub you the wrong way. So give me a call, 1-877-669-1292. We could discuss it. Uh, maybe you could enlighten me. Maybe you could uh, tell me what, what, what the issue is because I, I really have no issue with it at all. Now, uh, I do have an issue, however, with, uh, with Jews celebrating Christmas. I have an issue with, uh, with, with Jews um, uh, doing things that, that – that are really assimilationist Jews that are trying to to fit into society so they get a christmas tree and put it up in their in their in their, um, in their living rooms just because their neighbors have a christmas tree they they buy presents for hanukkah for the eight days of hanukkah and give it to their children because why should jewish children not get presents at this time of year when Chris, christian children get presents uh, the symbolism behind the presents and christmas is, uh, is that the, uh, the three wise men who went to see uh, – three wise men who went to see – not three wise men. The three wise men who went to see, uh, who went to see Jesus after he was born in the, in the barn in the major, uh, they, they brought gifts. And so, so uh, taking that tradition, according to the story, they brought gifts for the baby. And taking that a little further, that's why presents and gifts are given out on Christmas – now, the Hanukkah story is completely different from the Christmas story, and uh, I, I don't know what kind of gifts you would give for a military victory. I'm, I'm not sure what kind of gifts you would give for a spiritual victory, and I don't know what kind of gifts to give for, um, for, for a miracle of oil lasting eight days instead of one day. It, it seems odd to give a gift uh, during, during Hanukkah. It doesn't seem gift-worthy. The miracle doesn't seem gift-worthy. The Christian miracle makes sense to be gift-worthy. The Jewish miracle, not so much. So uh, the gifts for Christmas and the gifts for Hanukkah, the uh, Jews just decided to give their kids gifts on Hanukkah simply to, um, to to appease them because their friends who were in public schools were, were getting were getting gifts for Christmas. And so it's all part of the assimilation factor. And uh, it's really sad when I, when I see the I – mean, I mean, look, inherently there's nothing wrong with giving people gifts. And you should give people gifts all the time throughout the entire year. There's nothing really inherently wrong with that. But at the same time, uh, if it promotes assimilation, it promotes, the, it promotes the concept or the idea that, that Hanukkah and Christmas are the same, then, then maybe we should refrain from doing it. Maybe we should pull back a little bit and say, hold on, hold on. You know, we are very different. The holidays are very different. And, uh, and, and maybe, just maybe, maybe we should behave differently. Than our non-Jewish friends at, at this time of year. Uh, it's the way I've always seen it. And that's, that's, that's the way I've always viewed it and uh, you could disagree with me. That's fine and you could always call in. one 669 1292 Now, um, this time of year is also the time of year where, where many of the we pay to, to be outraged organizations released their studies on, uh, on, on, on anti, anti-Semitism uh, over the last year. And I hardly ever use the word anti-Semitism because we have to, uh, we have to remember uh, – I usually use anti-Jew, anti-Jewism, anti-Jew, anti, uh, anti-Jewish. anti These are the terminology I usually use because we have to remember that, uh, that anti-Judaism, anti-Jewism as I like to call it, and anti-Semitism are, are distinctly different. One is directed against the believers of a faith, assaulting uh, a false belief and trying to better them by conversion. The other one does that too, but it goes one step further and assigns an essential genetic trait to people. It also defines them as a race, which often is just eliminatory in goals and in mind. So uh, anti-Judaism is, is countering the religion. Anti-Semitism is countering the people. Now, sometimes they are of the same breed. Sometimes the, uh, the anti-Jewish behavior is anti-Semitic behavior, and sometimes it's not. So sometimes, like when the church tries to convert people, when evangelicals pretend to love Israel, and uh, and support Israeli causes and give lots of money to uh, to support the state of Israel and support the the, um, the the promotion of the state of Israel and the promotion of Jews returning to the state of Israel, fully knowing that they are uh, they are doing this because the book of Revelation says that, uh, that, that the incoming of the Jews into Israel, the return of the Jews from the diaspora, is one of the things that are going to spark the second coming of Jesus. And then every Jew that returns to Israel will have to choose whether or not they accept Jesus as their Savior. And those who say yes, they do, will remain on the earth, and those who say they won't or will be condemned to hell forever. Knowing that uh, that's what evangelicals believe in—that it's the Book of Revelations that drives their 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 diehard need for Jews to return to Israel, for Jewish state to thrive and exist, and for all Jews to for the ingathering of Jews in Israel. When you know that the the end goal, the end goal is the conversion of all Jews to Christianity, and uh, and the condemnation to hell of those who choose not to follow Christianity, uh, one has to wonder. Is that anti-Jewish behavior, or anti-Semitic behavior? Is it against the people or is it against the religion? Well, it's not against the religion per se. It's it's more against the people, so that would be anti-Semitic. Now, the Jewish embracement, the Jewish embracing of evangelical Christians, to me, uh, seems seems uh, counterproductive. Now, now I've spoken to a lot of people about this, and look, I love my Christian friends, and uh, I don't mean to be insulting to my Christian friends. It's not their fault that centuries and centuries and centuries of Christian theology has led, has led certain people to down this path of evangelicalism. And it's extremely sad, by the way, that, uh, that Radio Shalom, Montreal's Jewish radio station in the last couple of months, sold their station or at least gave their station away, sold it for zero dollars and zero cents, gave their station away to an evangelical Christian group, uh, knowing fully that uh, this group uh, is evangelical and this group is supporting uh, the, um, the, the conversion and the eventual uh, annihilation of the Jewish people. Uh, putting that aside, that, 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 that upsets me. Uh, I love my Christian friends, and I have some friends who are evangelical Christians, and I love them too. They, they are great people. And it's not their fault that this theology has been pushed for centuries and that it has, been, has developed to the point where it is today. So I can't blame them. But I could point out that this theology is, is that they, it's, it's calling for my destruction. This I could point out, and this I could point out in full, in, in, in full honesty – and I could point this out in full harmony that that this is this is leading up to my destruction, and so when I see Jews who who buy into this philosophy, who say, "Oh, well," I spoke to a lot of uh, Jewish leaders, and uh, I use the term leaders when it comes to Jewish community very loosely, because leadership in the Jewish community isn't based on merit. Leadership in the Jewish community is based on who donates the most amount of money to um, to one of the major Jewish organizations. So you want to get ahead. You want to become the president of a major Jewish organization? You want that prestige? You want people to look at you and say, whoa, he's the president of Federation? Whoa, he's the president of B'nai B'rith? You guys just got to donate money. If you don't donate money, you could uh, you know, they're not even going to look at you. It doesn't matter how much volunteer work you do. It doesn't matter how much, uh, how, how much of yourself you give. It's irrelevant. They will only take you as a leader if you donate money and lots and lots and lots of money. If you're a major donor then you become a then you become president, then you become a big macher in the community as they say, a, a big shot in the community. So so those who uh, who are considered Jewish leaders assimilationists like the late Alvin Siegel who are considered Jewish leaders. These people uh, are the, are the, are the ones who buy into this 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 this, this program. These people are the ones who, are say, who tell me, and like, I've spoken to a lot of them, and they've all told me the same thing. They've all told me, hey, Howie, you know, um, uh, you know, I, I don't care what their end goal is. I like, the, I like the game. I like the game they're playing. The end goal is completely irrelevant to me. And, and while the end goal is irrelevant to you, it's not irrelevant to me. Because I care about the, the continuation of the Jewish community, I care about the, the education of the Jewish community, I care about the longevity of the Jewish community. I, I don't want my kids and my grandkids, and my nephews and my nieces, kids and grandkids, to live in a world that, that either despises Jews, that forces Jews to convert, or, or that is trying to annihilate the Jews again. I don't want that to happen again. And we've seen it happen over and over again. History tends to repeat itself. And we see the repetition over and over and over again over the centuries. And we have to stop it somewhere. Sometimes you just got to pull the brake. Sometimes you got to say, okay, that train is barreling out of control. Now we got to pull the brake and slow it down and stop it. And that's, that's, that's what we're trying to do. And that's what we should be trying to do uh, these days when we see that Judaism is spiraling out of control. When we see that the conservative movement in the United States, which, which uh, resembled the reform movement in Canada, I- is dying, it's, it's literally almost dead, and we see that the reform movement in the United States, which resembles Christianity, is thriving and Orthodox Judaism is shrinking, it, it, it kind of it irks me a little bit to think that, uh, that the assimilationists have won, that, that, that the diaspora assimilation has, has completed now, uh, look, a couple of days ago, one of my friends uh, posted up that his podcast, he does a podcast every week, his podcast, the well, next podcast will be Could the Holocaust Happen Again? And I commented that it has already started and, uh, and, and it's ongoing. Now, now, what did I say? But what did I mean by that? I did not mean that, that there are Nazis marching down the streets of New York or that there are Nazis marching down the streets of any major city in the United States or that uh, any politician is akin to Hitler. I would never say that because I don't think that kind of evil exists in the moment, at the moment in the world. I don't think that anybody that evil is in power uh, at the moment in, in the world. But that doesn't mean that tomorrow somebody can't rise up who is that evil, and take over and start, and start, and start uh, committing some kind of atrocity. That's, that's not unheard of. Uh, unfortunately, as Jews, it is the nature and the story of our history. So because that is the nature and the story of our history, and as Jews, this is what we, we've lived with for centuries and centuries and centuries, we have to be vigilant. We have to watch out. And we, have to, uh, we have to think that this is a possibility, and it's a possibility because there are so many people out there who hate the Jewish people. And we see that hatred rising up around, around North America, for sure, around Europe, for sure. The rise in anti-Jewish behavior has been astounding and, and shocking. And the lack of concern, at least major concern, has also been shocking. Less than 100 years after a Holocaust. But alas, here we are. We're here. It's 2023 of the Gregorian calendar. My New Year's is in September, but now we're at 2023 of the Gregorian calendar. It's January 2nd, 2023. How will we change the world this year? This Gregorian year, 12 months. How are we going to change the world to make the world a safer place, to make the world a better place, to make the world a more inclusive place, to make the world a more fun place to live in? How are we going to do it? It's up to you and me to do it. And how are we going to do this? It's a great question. You might say, Howie, that's a great question. And you could say that uh, live if you want at 1877 669 1292 You could say it live. Howie, it's a great question. How do we do this? Well, it's up to each one and every one of us. We must make the commitment right now. And I'm not saying make a New Year's resolution. That would be ridiculous. New Year's resolutions are ridiculous. But we have to make a commitment to ourselves. And I say this around Rosh Hashanah time, I'll say this around January time, I'll say this in June too. We have to make a commitment that we are going to change ourselves and our attitudes and the way we look at the world. We have to say that we are not going to tolerate anti-Jewish behavior from anybody. We're not going to stand by idly as people hate Jews publicly. We're not going to be quiet about it. We are going to get out there, and we are going to use our voices to protest. We are going to use our voices to counter. We are going to get educated, and we are going to fight back. This is the only way for Jewish survival. Now, I know a lot of people say, fight back. Oh, my gosh, are you saying being a militant, you have to be fight, we have to be violent? No, fighting doesn't always require fist cuffs. Sometimes it does. There is a place for violence. There is always a place for violence but there's not always a place for violence so so there's always a place for violence and there's not always a place for violence it may sound like a like like a like, like an oxymoron there but it's not there's always a place for violence when the situation gets to a point where you have to really prove your point when the jew haters are coming to hurt the jews there is a place for violence there is a place for self defense there is a place for 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 even um for even uh, uh, active, active. Uh, what's it called? Active defense. When you, when you, when you actively go out and you attack your enemy before your enemy attacks you. There is a place for that. There's also a place for diplomacy, and there's also a place where we could discuss the issues. We could discuss the issues like normal human beings. We could have normal human being conversations where you listen to the Jew hater, and the Jew hater listens to you. Uh, but, but. We, we have to we have to limit the 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 scope of the discussion for instance and and this is what I taught my israel advocacy class before they threw me out uh this this is what i taught uh, I taught that that you have to you have to you have to you know your starting point has to be that israel has the right to exist. If their starting point is that Israel has no legitimate right to exist, it's a no starter. There's no conversation. How could you? How could you have a discussion with somebody who says that you don't? You don't belong to you don't. You don't exist. So if I don't exist, there's no reason to talk to me. So so if somebody says that Judaism is the illegitimate religion, and that Christianity or Islam is the true religion, and Jews are just are just leftovers of an old regime that have to be destroyed or have to be thrown out or have to be whatever. If that's what's happening then we have to understand that that's a non-starter. You, you just don't have the conversation. There's nothing to talk about. What could you possibly say when someone says you're illegitimate? Uh, you can't prove your legitimacy. You, you can't prove your existence. You can't prove a good thing. Therefore, why bother? Why bother trying? Israel has no right to exist. Well, in 1948, the United Nations said they did, so they exist. So if we're going to accept every nation that's created or recognized by the United Nations, then Israel's is one of them. So there's no debate. There can't be a debate about Israel's right to exist. Now, if you're going to say that Jews have no right to exist, well, we're here. We exist. We've existed for thousands and thousands of years, at least 5,000 years. So, so what's the issue? We're still around. We still exist. So, so there's, that's a no starter. It's a non-starter conversation. So there's no point in, in debating something like that. It's kind of pointless to debate your your legitimacy. So once you get past that point, then you're just debating policy. And policy is easy to debate. Uh, just learn the policies, learn what you agree with, what you disagree with, and just debate it. Politics is easy. But, but you see the, the fundamental root – of both the argument that Judaism does not exist because Christianity exists and Islam exists, and they overtook Judaism. It's a new, new covenant with God, a new covenant and a new, new covenant. That is, uh, that is, is actually attacking the very essence of Jewish existence. And if that's the case, it's a non-starter argument. I never referred to the Christian Bible as the New Testament. Now, I know Christians do, and that's fine. They could refer to their Bible as whatever they want to refer to their Bible. But if I refer to their Bible as the New Testament, what I am doing is I am saying that the Old Testament, which is my testament, which is the Jewish, the Jewish uh, uh, Torah, the, the Torah that was given to Jews by God on Sinai, is null and void. That is the New Testament. So the old one, forget about it. We follow the new one. And that was really the idea behind calling it the New Testament um, is that is that, oh, okay, the Jews had the Old Testament with God. The Christians have the new one. It's more legitimate. It's, it's newer. It's, it's fresher. It's, it's right out of the showroom. <laughs> you know, you'll love it. It has air conditioning. You'll love it. You'll love it. It's a great thing. And that was the whole thing. It's called replacement, right? So the Old Testament was replaced by the New Testament. And if the Old Testament was, Testament was replaced by the New Testament— uh, then the people who follow the Old Testament are either dinosaurs who are following a, uh, an ancient ritual or, uh, or, or they're heretics who, who are opposing the will of God. It's one or the other, right? It can't be both. You can't, you can't say that the New Testament uh, is the new deal with God while the Old Testament still exists because that's impossible. How could people still be following the old deal with God if there's a new one? It doesn't make sense. You you can't you can't follow the old deal and the new deal. You can't you can't say hey listen. Um, You can't say hey listen. uh, uh, Look, I made a new deal to sell my car with 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 person number two, but person number one who bought my car, uh, you know, I still have a deal with him. So so either you're either going to share your car or you're going to um, or or, or you're going to fight over it and kill each other, and whoever survives will, will get the car. It's it's one or the other. You can't you can't have both. Life doesn't go two ways, so because life doesn't go two ways, um, it has to go one way, and that's 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 the problem, and that's really where the uh, where the problem that's really where the problem lies, and so because the problem lies like that. And because the pro- there is really no solution to that problem, if, uh, if one theology preaches that the other theology is, uh, is illegitimate, if one theology preaches that the other, le- the other theology is subservient, then there's really no going back. Uh, you, can't, you, can't really, you can't really back up from that. So there's only one option for the people who believe that they are the superior religion and everyone else is inferior to them. There's only one thing for them to do. And that is to destroy anybody who doesn't believe in their religion, to 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 murder people and to uh, and to and to show the dominance of their religion. Now Christianity tried it for centuries, and the Islam is trying it, and they're currently still trying it. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the Jews still exist, and as long as the Jews exist, then the Old Testament, as they call it, exists. The Torah exists, and if the Torah exists, and people believe in the Torah then it, it calls into question the legitimacy of the other two testaments, the, the, the New Testament and the, the New Testament, as the Christians call it, and the Quran. Now, I'm not saying that these are illegitimate religions, and if you celebrate these religions, then, uh, then good, good. I hope I, you know celebrate them. I mean, I, I have no issue with people who believe in Christianity and people who believe in Islam. But you know, be true to your faith. And people who believe in Judaism, and people who say I'm a Jew, then be true to your faith. That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying is, you know, you don't see too many. Well, you do, but you shouldn't see too many Christians pretending to be Jews, and you shouldn't see too many Islamic people pretending to be Christians or pretend to be Jews. Be true to your faith. Enjoy the faith that you have. Enjoy your traditions. Enjoy your holidays. Not everybody else's. You don't care. I don't care about anybody else's holidays. I enjoy my holidays. I love my holidays, and I will, I will keep enjoying my holidays, and I don't have to enjoy anybody else's holidays. I don't have to piggyback on somebody else in order to have fun, in order to enjoy their holiday. It's not something I have to do. not something I want to do. I see the beauty in Judaism. I see the beauty in Jewish holidays, and I like to enjoy them. Now, one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number to call. Get in on the conversation. one let us go to the phones. Hi. Let's see if the phones are working. Hello. How are we? How are we doing? Good. Who's this? This is Kevin. I beg pardon? I didn't hear you.
0: This is Kevin.
1: Hi, Kevin. How's it going?
0: Good. I just want to talk about this Kanye West stuff. Yeah. Um. Kevin, where are you calling from? Year? Chicago. Cool.
1: Uh, What's up with Kanye West? Uh, He's he's still running around yelling anti-Jewish stuff and praising Hitler.
0: Yes, he has been saying a lot of wild things. Um, Does he have any validity to his statement regarding the business side? The business practices, the criticism, and that side. I know the Hitler stuff, that's just completely cross Completely cross the line with that, but so we, we live about the other stuff. We, we live
1: in a world where where there are different, varying mor- moral values in in every society. And so it uh, doesn't matter uh, if you're Christian, Jewish, Muslim, uh, you have some people who are very honest and some people who are not so honest. And, and that's, that's just the nature of society in general. Um, uh, and it's always been the nature of society throughout history. Uh, even if you, read the, uh, if you read the Torah, you read the Bible, you'll see that you know, there, there are honest people and there are dishonest people. And there are people who told the truth, people who didn't tell the truth, people who stole and people who didn't steal. Uh, it, this has been the nature of, uh, of society since day one. So uh, it, Kanye West claims that uh, that Jews run Hollywood and the Jews run the music industry and the Jews uh, that Jews uh, the Jews control his faith and, and the Jews kind of proved that by cancelling him um, but but at the same time I, I'm gonna back up on that statement for a second, although I do believe it's true I believe that the Jewish community handled the whole Kanye West situation completely wrong but uh, but I'll back up on that for a second by saying that uh, that yeah there might be some corrupt Jews in the entertainment business uh, there might be some corrupt Jews in any business uh, that doesn't reflect the entire Jewish community, and so if you wanted to criticize his business manager or the people he signed contracts with, or anybody else that uh, that may have done him wrong business-wise, uh, there are many venues to do that in. Uh, on TMZ is probably not the best venue to say my Jewish lawyer or my Jewish accountant or my Jewish uh, my Jewish uh, my Jewish agent. Um, you know, if if there was a problem with his contract or he was owed money, uh, there are many legal ways that he could have gone to claim that money, uh, as many other people have done in the past. So getting up on TMZ and yelling uh, that, that the Jew stole his money uh, seems to me uh, a little more anti-Jewish than um, than if he would have taken his lawyer or his accountant or his, uh, his agent to court.
0: Okay, yeah. Well, I'm just glad that you said that. You know, jews the, definitely have are overrepresented in Hollywood and music industry because well, even saying that' it's, it's like they try, a lot of people just try to deny simple facts like that. well, well the, and the, it's the, an the, obvious fact that people try to deny it for some reason.
1: the The fact is that the jews Jews built the entertainment business in the United States. It was uh, European Jews that were fleeing world, right after World War one. They fled Europe and they came to they came to the United States and they built Hollywood. All the major studios were started by Jews. So uh, I don't I don't have an issue saying that you know that Jews built Hollywood. It's true that the uh, that the you know in the nineteen forties, fifties, and sixties, even almost into the seventies and eighties, the majority of comedians that were very successful in Hollywood were Jewish. Uh, um, there were many actors. I mean, you wouldn't even know they were Jewish because they all changed their names. But uh, many many of the famous actors of the of the golden era of Hollywood were Jewish. Uh, it was it was it was immigrants taking care of immigrants and uh, and people taking care of people. Um, so so. Uh, I, I don't know why we would be embarrassed by the fact that uh, that that a penniless uh, a penniless um, Jewish guy came to uh, came to America and built a multi billion dollar empire. Uh, I'm not I'm not ashamed of that. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, it, it's just the reality of the situation. Now there are many industries that were built by non Jews that made billions of dollars too. So entertainment is something that we get into our homes, that, that streams onto our televisions, and that uh, that we hear on the radio. That's fine. Okay, whatever. But Marconi started the radio, right? He, he was an Italian guy. He wasn't Jewish. He was Italian. He was an Italian Christian. He started, he created the radio. So, I mean, so Jews created the movies, and Marconi created radio. I don't see what the issue is.
0: Yeah, a lot of Polish Jews, right? Yeah. I'm Polish American, so I've, that's what I've read. A lot of Polish Jews, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I I've heard, I read it was it's an anti-Semitic trope to say that. But why? I mean, well, what would
1: be anti what would be anti-Semitic about it? I'm j- I'm just curious. Now, now it's more of a curiosity question. What would be anti-Semitic but to I say that know. that Metro Goodwin Meyer, uh, you know MGM, which was the biggest studio of the 1950s and 60s, um, all three guys were Jewish. Metro Goodwin and Meyer, they were all Jewish. So what could be anti what would be anti-Semitic about saying that?
0: I don't know, but. Do you think certain Jews want to, like, not expose Jewish power or Jewish influence? They want to keep it kind of down low? Is there something that, something about that that could be the only um, explanation.
1: I mean, the Warner Brothers were Jewish too, right? <laughs> um, the, um, you know, Jewish influence. Uh, you know, when we start getting into Jewish influence and talking about Jewish influence, that's where I see the anti-Semitic trope coming in. Uh, because did did Metro Goodwin Meyer really have that much influence? Uh, they created movies; they were there for entertainment. Now today, entertainment is uh, is more influential than it was. Let's say in the 1950s, nobody watched *A Gentleman's Agreement* and uh, and saw Montgomery Cliff playing a Jew who uh, who was being uh, who was who was, uh, playing a non Jew who was pretending to be a Jew trying to get into a a hotel that uh, that didn't allow Jews. Uh, nobody nobody looked at that and said, "Oh gosh, I wish I was Jewish." I mean, no, nobody did that. And nobody said, "Oh, I agree with those hotel owners. Let's keep them out of my hotel too." It was happening anyway, so so I don't know how much influence they had on anti-Jewish, on an anti-Jewish or or, or pro-Jewish, um, on pro-Jewish attitudes in the United States. I mean, I, I think they were just trying well, to make as much money as possible. I mean, I
0: think it's a there's a difference between just pure entertainment and pushing their views. Um, and I definitely think there's a there's an agenda that certain leftist Hollywood Jews promote. And I, I hear you all the time. You speak out against it. It's sort of a, um, I don't know, leftist kind of communist prom- promotion of values. There, there was actually a, I,
1: a great book on this. If you want to read a great book, I'm just trying to remember. it. I'm just going to Google the name. I, I just don't remember the name. Uh, it's written by Ben Shapiro, actually. But before he became big, when he was still uh, when he was still a um, a young guy growing up in Hollywood. Uh, what was the book called? It was called uh, "Primetime Propaganda: The True Hollywood Story on How the Left Took Over Your TV." Uh, this is is actually an excellent book because he goes through the history of television and shows how uh, how leftist ideology was written into television shows, most of the classic television shows. And then he went and interviewed all the producers and the creators of these classic television shows, and they all essentially admitted that, yeah, we wrote our we wrote our political views into there. Uh, so, if anything, television kind of kind of uh, sold the leftist point of view. Uh, conservatives were never welcome in television, and they're still not welcome in television. I mean, look at the uh, the hatred towards Fox News because they express a certain point of view, compared to love affair with CNN, who expresses a totally opposite point of view. I mean, it's it's um, it's obvious. It's obvious where where the political leanings of uh, of most media are.
0: Yeah, so that's why I brought up the influence. So. My question to you is: How much of it do you think is they're trying to make a profit, and how much of it do you think is they're trying to push an agenda, trying to push their values on a society?
1: Well, making a profit—I I don't know how much profit uh, an organization like CNN is making. They've shedded most of, when they when they went totally left. At one time, CNN was the news channel. I don't know. I don't know how old you are. I don't know how, if you remember this. But uh, you turn on CNN, it would be a twenty-four hour news cycle, where, where CNN would have anchors sitting there reading the news twenty-four hours a day, and uh, and occasionally during the day they would have some commentary. That was that was CNN. That was the concept behind CNN was that you could turn it on and get news any time of the day. So something big's happening, uh, you could turn it on the TV and you could and they're, they're covering it. it. It wasn't it wasn't all about politics and, and political show and political shows and political talk shows, uh, which which it seemed to have turned into. Um, uh, that was because of Fox News. Fox News turned into that, and CNN kind of followed suit. Um, the um, the the idea that that the news that the media is selling uh, an idea, and when I say media, I'm talking about television and and news media is selling an idea, selling a concept, selling a left-wing ideology uh, for profit. Um, I, I don't know how much profit factors into it. Look, if they wanted to uh, if they wanted to make a profit, uh, they would, they would look at the country and they would say okay so the bible belt is more right wing than left wing so on the bible belt we'll um, will 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 we'll put in shows onto our onto our networks and onto our affiliates in the bible belt we'll put conservative shows that that promote family values that uh, that um, that promote family values and promote morality uh, because that's what those people want to watch and then they would get tons of viewers and and then you know California is kind of kind of less moral and less uh, less Bible orientated. So for California, more more flighty and more lefty, we'll we'll put on more left wing shows and more more shows about like you know uh, about people uh, in diverse backgrounds and you know we'll, we'll play the whole diversity card, and and we'll get a huge listenership there or a huge viewership there. And And then, then we could be make money in the Bible belt, and we could make money in, the, uh, in California at the same time, and, and triple our profits, but they're not doing that. <clears throat> they're putting national shows on which, which, which represent one point of view. So by putting national shows on a pro, that represent one point of view, it, it seems to me that at least today they've chosen ideology over profit. I, I can't imagine that uh, that 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 they're making very much money. I mean, you see article after article about about all these woke uh, movies and all these woke TV shows that are being canceled and uh, that are being um, that that are flopping because nobody
0: wants to watch the stuff. Yeah, that's all I always thought it too. Just I don't understand why they put um, ideology over profit. But it's almost like I don't know. They can't lose even though a show drops another one picks up, which is they take over their left off I don't
1: know yeah but, but it it costs, it costs, like, it costs wanna, millions
0: uh, thank you it costs millions and millions
1: I mean. of dollars right to put on a show uh look CNN went almost bankrupt last year until they were bought out that they were they were going bankrupt so you, you 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 know it's just not working ideology over profit doesn't work never worked for anyone anyway thanks for calling I appreciate it all the way from Chicago thank you so much
0: Appreciate it. Have a good
1: one. You too. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number to call. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good point, and a point I haven't made on the show very much, but uh, a point that yeah, you because know, I don't, I don't often talk about, I don't often talk about um, uh, television. I, I I tend to not talk about television, but uh, it's an extremely good point that television has chosen ideology over profits. And therefore, they're not making a profit. Streaming companies have chosen ideology over profit. Uh, Netflix announced uh, just last month that they lost millions and millions and millions of viewers. There's a reason behind that. Majority of Americans want morality. They want television and movies to reflect the way they live their lives. They want to see family values. They want to see families together. They want to see a mother, a father, and children. You know, all this stuff, uh, they they want genders. They want to be able to see something they recognize. They want to see something American. And that's not what the TV companies and movie companies are showing. And it's not the ideology that's being pushed right now. And when you market your movies and your television shows, and you market your, your product to the lowest common denominator, to the smallest segment of the population... You can't really survive. It's almost impossible. one 669 1292 is the number to call. one 669 1292 Imagine you own a store and you know that 1% of uh, a candy store or an ice cream store. And you know that 1% of the population that living around you or a quarter percent of the population that are living around your shop like, uh, like, like pistachio ice cream and nobody else likes pistachio ice cream, and you you stock only pistachio ice cream, how much ice cream are you going to sell? How long are you going to be in business for? I can't imagine you'll be in business very long. And so, so when we look at business, when we look at the business model of selling an ideology that nobody's buying and nobody's believing and nobody's understanding, how long could you keep doing it until you run out of steam, until you run out of backers, until you run out of money? It's not going to take very long. All right, I'm Howie Silberger. This is The Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll be back again tomorrow. Have a good night.